You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even Welcome to Making Data Simple, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And and by the way, I love to hear from listeners. Uh, I started off with this podcast because I was really just, you know, it, it was self-serving in that I wanted to learn. And a lot of you reached out to me, which has been extremely rewarding. Please rate this uh, podcast wherever you may be listening to it. And if you could reach out to me, Again, my contact information will be in the show notes. We'd like to hear from you. Any topics that you'd like to hear, anybody that you'd like to have on, hey, look, we take a lot of of feedback and and we take action on that feedback. Today, I'm with my good friend, Jason Gary. Jason is responsible for hybrid data management marketing here at uh, IBM and data and AI. We have been partners in crime in the past as... Uh, I held responsibility for hybrid data management development. We drove DB2 as the AI database, and um, which is still the AI database. And, and I served in that dev role, and Jason served in the marketing role, which I know absolutely nothing about. So I will probably ask you a lot of questions, Jason, on marketing, because uh, along with the listeners today, we'll, we'll learn about marketing. But welcome. Thank you, for, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, you know, I always butcher the introduction. I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Describe what you do, if you wouldn't mind, and then I'll go into writing some questions I got for you. Sure. Yeah. So my team is responsible for marketing worldwide um, for a set of capabilities that really provide customers with their ability to collect and manage data and really make that data simple and accessible. And it's really centered around the DB2 family of products, as you mentioned. And you know the, the, the actions and responsibilities my team have span everything from things like uh, product messaging, demand generation, responsible for brand and awareness. Um, we do a lot of events like Think earlier this year, and we support geographies around the world. So we work a lot with our counterparts in Europe and Asia and Latin America to help market DB2 to um, IBM clients and non-IBM clients around the world. The focus you have is on data and AI. The first question I'll ask you is just to uh, summarize what you see as the state of data and AI. Uh, are, are industries, from your perspective, as you're marketing to them, are they embracing AI? Are they using it to drive decisions? Is it really happening? Is it getting in their way? Where do you think the state of the business is right now? Yeah, I mean, we've done a lot of research in this area. And, you know, one statistic that sticks out to me is that an overwhelming majority of companies have stated that AI is a strategic priority for them. They know that they want to, to take advantage of AI. They may not know how or in what ways. And there are companies that are all across the spectrum of maturity when it comes to AI. There's companies that have no clue where to get started. There are some that are getting started with, you know, data scientists and data modeling and doing some predictions. And then there are some that have really implemented advanced AI capabilities like voice recognition and automated chatting and, and things like that. And I think the companies want to do it. I think it's happening. I think we interact with it on a daily basis without necessarily realizing it, whether it's 
customer uh, service when we call in or when we chat with a, a support representative or even, you know, I personally, uh, I own a Tesla and I have uh, self-driving uh, capabilities in my car. Um, but I think the, the data is actually the big barrier and most companies don't know what data they need or have and how to bring all of that together to drive the artificial intelligence. And quite frankly, you can't do anything with AI unless you have the data to feed it. And, you know, another stat that sticks out to me we talk about is that data scientists spend 80% of their time just preparing data, let alone actually analyzing that data and using it to build models and predictions. Where are you located, by the way, Jason? Oh, I'm in Austin, Texas. Austin. I got to tell you, so I'm in the Midwest. I drive a truck. And when <laughs> I go to Silicon Valley, everybody tries to tries to get me to, uh, to, to buy a Tesla. And I'm thinking, you know, look, I that's fine, but I'm in the Midwest. They're not making trucks as, yet, as, as of yet. But I heard there's one in... in planned or in plan. Anyway, so I walk out of the parking lot or to the parking lot with somebody that's got a Tesla. He's going to, he's going to have me test drive it. And the damn thing came to pick us up. Yep. In other words, by itself, I have to say that was pretty impressive. Just shows up, came around the corner and then we get in. Yep. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> it, it is pretty amazing. If anything it would get me, I was like, all right, that was pretty cool. <laughs> he knew what he's doing because he didn't tell me that that was going to happen. So, I, I want to talk about marketing and I want to go into some questions because I know, again, I'm, I, I know not enough just to be dangerous. That's why that's why you're here. How long have you been in marketing, by the way? Uh, I think this year will be 15 years total. I started off uh, in the aviation industry and moved over into technology, you know, kind of later in my career. And I've probably been working in software technology for maybe the last uh, 10 years. So you, you walked right into my question because when you know, I, I know you as Mr. Marketing. And then I thought, well, I'm going to go look at, you know, I expected to go into LinkedIn and look at your your background and then your, uh, your university of something with marketing all over. It. And I see Aeronautical University. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to tell you got to tell me a little bit about that before I get into the marketing. How do you go from Aeronautical University <laughs> to being the guru in marketing? So I went to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, which is well known for producing uh, airline pilots, um, aerospace engineers, uh, meteorologists, all that kind of thing. And I started off as an aerospace engineering major because I was very good at math and science. And I was always taught that's how you're going to make money as an adult is go into math and science. And, you know, I, I did enjoy it. It was challenging. But by my junior year, I got really sick of solving physics problems and realized that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And that I do enjoy interacting with people and, and uh, communications and things like that. So I switched my major. I, I finished my Bachelor of Science in a multidisciplinary degree, still heavily based in math and science. Immediately went in to get my, my master's in business administration, my MBA. Uh, and quickly learned that marketing was an area that I like because I can tie in my technical background with my creative skills and, and really translate that to an end, end user and a buyer. And uh, I finished my, my degree. Um, I had worked with a NASA research consortium at the time that was researching the next generation of, of air transportation systems. That sounds exciting, but it was all about what's the future of aviation? How do we use GPS and automation to make flying safer and, and easier? And I got hired by one of the companies that was part of that consortium. So I really started my career marketing business jets. 
And uh, the unfortunate thing about aviation is it's very cyclical. Uh, when the, the economy goes into a, a depression or a recession, uh, the, the aviation industry takes a big hit. So I was early in my career, I got laid off a few times and I found myself uh, working in the software industry, which for me was fantastic. It still held a lot of the same fascination for me and was still the same thing where I could apply that technical acumen along with the, the communications and the, the creative side of my personality to take something like uh, IT administration tools and explain to somebody why that's going to help them make their job better. So your parents must have been cut from the same cloth as mine. It was all math. Oh, you got to do math, you know, all this. But uh, it took you to your junior year. So were you able to get all that transferred or did you... Uh have to add on a couple of years. I still finished in, yeah, I still finished in four years. I was able to finagle it. And, and I actually almost built my own degree where I kept all of my math and science. Uh, and then I added on a communications minor and uh, finished in something called aerospace studies, which doesn't mean anything at all, really. <laughs> all it did is let me go in and get my MBA. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, so nice. I remember a couple times in my college career where, you know, I didn't know if I was, I was in electrical engineering. I didn't know. I'm like, I don't know about this. And, and my dad was always just stick, you know, stick with it or it'll always transfer. I mean, some of the easiest courses transfer to other areas. And he was right there. Although I, I ended up sticking it all the way through. So let me ask you marketing as a discipline. First of all, the, the easiest question or the, the most well, the, the question I got to ask you is how does marketing define success? That's interesting because that has actually evolved over time, right? You know, we look way back when uh, earlier in, in the 19th or 20th century where marketing was really about advertising and could you get the best advertising campaign out? And you think of shows like Mad Men, um, but that's very different than marketing today. And in my view, and one thing that I've really focused on in my career is making sure that marketing is aligned to business success. Um, marketing is not successful unless the business is successful. And so we look at things like growth, like uh, market share, like revenue. Uh, and so we're trying to drive to a lot of those same um, metrics that the business drives to. And it's not just about creating a cool billboard or a nice website, but those things actually have to drive results for the business. And in today's world where a lot of what we do is very digital and a lot of our technology in the company is very connected, we can measure all of those things and point back to what uh, things that we can do in marketing to better educate and inform somebody who's looking for a solution and matching them with the right IBM solution for them. So, but how do you... Um... I hear what you're saying. Here's what I heard you say. You said, look, you know, we are really tied to business success one way or another. So if the business is, is successful, then marketing is successful. But I got to believe that you're on a regular basis. You, you've got to validate or justify the expense, by example, that you're making in marketing in whatever venue you're, you're, you're marketing and its contribution towards the, the final, the bottom line, the outcomes. I mean, how do you go about doing that? Absolutely. Uh, we don't spend money without making sure that we can show a return, as any good business would do, right? You wouldn't be in business long if you spent more than you made. Uh, and so we have a lot of systems that we use in IBM where we can um, 
track the people that we engage with. And that could be people that we engage with live at events. It can be people that engage with us online, whether that's on IBM.com or other sites, social sites, et cetera. Obviously, there's a lot of data privacy rules and laws in effect now, and we absolutely respect those. And we make sure that the people who interact with us want to hear from IBM. And we um, make sure that we bring them on a journey that uh, suits their needs, right? What are they trying to learn? What are they trying to find out? Are they trying to learn more about our products? And then get them to the right um, sales resource that can help them further that journey, whether that's a business partner or an IBM seller, to understand what technology and service is going to help solve the problem that that person is is doing the research on. And so we've got all of our systems internally that can track that person all the way from that initial interaction, be it an event or, or website interaction, all the way through to if that person or that company buys a solution from IBM. And so therefore, all the marketing activities that happen along that journey, we can attribute to that, um, the purchase of a product or service and figure out what influence or direct impact we had on that. So does that mean, I mean, a lot of times when I'm working with marketing, they'll talk about their impact on, you know, marketing's contribution and usually like a percentage impact to validated pipeline. So in other words, the, the pipeline that's validated by sales, you're able to associate your contribution through, through the, the marketing actions that are taken. How, how, do you, how, does that, how does that connection, how is that connection made? Uh, there's marketing contribution is looked at in a few, a few ways. One of which is what we call marketing sourced, which is really the opportunity was sourced by marketing. Um, there was no conversation happening with a sales person before that interaction with marketing. And if that happens within a certain period of time, let's call it within a couple of months, an opportunity is opened after the initial marketing activity, we can draw a direct correlation between that marketing interaction and that opportunity. And then there's another way of looking at marketing contribution, which is what we call marketing influence. And that's where the the account or the person may already be talking to sales. They also have marketing interactions as part of that process. And we can measure whether marketing helps progress that opportunity to further qualification and and to closing or increase the size of the opportunity um, by introducing them to other offerings and services at IBM. So there's two, those are the two major ways we look at marketing contribution. If you pause for a second in the marketing, have you ever heard about a gentleman by the name of Edward Bernays? It's not ringing a bell off offhand. No, no, that's okay. I, I, I just was, uh, you know, I listened to a lot of podcasts myself, and this is a gentleman they say changed marketing, the father of the marketing as we know it today. The tobacco industry came to him and said, "Look, we need you to." get women to smoke because at the time it was frowned upon women weren't you know you didn't smoke back then only men did it and they're thinking well look we got half half the population that if we get them we're going to increase our our revenue significantly so this was a gentleman that changed marketing it used to used to look at a product and just say what it did he tied emotion to made made it an emotional appeal uh, to the product and and he he to get women to smoke I think it was the Easter Sunday parade of 1929. He got a bunch of women and he called it the torches of freedom and made it a, you know, women's um, empowerment issue. 
and and from that standpoint, uh, he changed in in the he changed the, the the smoking habits of women anyway. But he did a lot of other things, and that's when some of the marketing, at least, you know, if if this is correct, when the marketing changed to be more to centered around emotional uh, connection uh, versus just you know what the product did. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's all BS. I don't know. But uh, I thought that was a very interesting story. No, it is. And not that I agree with uh, getting women to smoke because I, I don't personally think uh, that helps <laughs> anyone. It was a different time. But, uh, but I do agree with that approach, right? You know, and that's something we have to think about. We don't just tell people all the what we call speeds and feeds of our software products. We want to explain to them what's it going to do for them, for their business. And maybe in, in a, a B2B, a business-to-business type marketing, it's not so much about emotion as maybe it is in the consumer marketing, but it is about how can I make your life simpler? How can I ha- help you save money? How can I help your company be more successful? And that's more important than is my product three times faster, four times cheaper, whatever, right? And and that's definitely something that I've I've used all throughout my career. And maybe it did start with him back in the 20s. <laughs> you should check him out. It's a pretty interesting story. It's a good story when you get up on stage or something. Anyway, the the what channels are the best channels these days? I mean, you got digital, you got face to face, you got partners. What channels? I presume it's it's custom to the situation at hand. But uh, you know, what what should you know if you're looking at if, if there are listeners out there, you know, looking at marketing their products. I mean, what do you think when? So from our perspective, it really starts with who is it that we're marketing to? And there's different types of people, right? Like in in my business, we market to um, directors in IT. We call them enterprise architects, and they have multiple titles in their companies. But you could be marketing to what we call the line of business owners. So that could be a head of marketing, a head of finance, head of sales. You could be marketing to the C-suite, CIO, CEO. And it really depends on that kind of what we call audience and what their preferences are. Some don't have a lot of time and therefore they're not going to spend a lot of time doing research. So how do you have the most impactful interactions? Others very much value the interaction from peers and recommendations from other people that do what they do. And some really like, you know, digital engagement, doing the research online and not having to bother with talking to somebody. And so we do a lot of research around these different um, types of buyers and the the things that they do to gather information. And so in my mind, it's actually a mix of all channels. Um, we do a mix of face-to-face events and they have their place. We do a lot of digital presence. So making sure that if somebody goes to ibm.com that they can find out everything about hybrid data management, database management, our products, the DB2 family, AI database, but also go out where those people are already doing their research out on industry websites and on analyst sites and and social media and things like that as well. And it's actually, that's the science and the art of marketing is finding that right mix to make sure you're reaching people where they're already looking and being present when they're looking for information around what we do. Nice. All right. So I know you to be an industry expert where can people find out more about what you're working on, what you're doing, even ask you questions? Is it LinkedIn or any other place you, you direct them? 
Yeah, uh, they can always go to my LinkedIn page um, and J-A-Y-S-O-N-G-E-H-R-I. Uh, They're not spelled normally, but Jason Gary is how you pronounce it. And um, if you want to learn more about like what I market, you can go to ibm.com slash DB2. And even if you're not interested in database products, you can kind of see the journey and, and what we've built around the presence for the capabilities that we're responsible for. Great. We'll put that in the show notes as well. All right. So you're not done yet. I always got to finish with a lightning round. Okay. This is the fun round that may have no bearing on anything, okay. <laughs> but it's just fun. This is where I get to know you, right? It's like quick hits. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, riddle through it real quick. You game? Good. Yes. Yes, you're game. You got to do it. All right. Who is the biggest influence in your life? Wow. It's supposed to be lightning and that's going to take a while. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> Uh, I'd say my mom, definitely my mom, huge influence. Yeah, all right. What lessons did she teach you to make you, uh, to make, to, to give you that answer? Uh, to be curious, to always explore and to just feel free to drive myself in the direction that I choose. What are you most proud of? Um, I am proud of coming from a small Midwestern family uh, very much in the lower middle class and being able to put my, myself through school and, and having the amazing experiences I've had in my career, like living overseas and working overseas and living across the country and in places like Arizona and Florida and Texas. Nice answer. Where, where did you originally grow up? Where, where's this town we're talking about? South Central Wisconsin. I graduated from a town called Edgerton, about 4,000 people, and it's a farming community. So very different from some of the other places I've lived. <laughs> Are you, your parents farmers? Uh, no, actually, we were not farmers, but my mom worked in uh, a hospital as a nurse's aide, and my dad was a semi-truck driver. What was your favorite? What's the favorite place you've been? What's a favorite location? Favorite destination? I would have to say the Maldives, which actually isn't in Europe at all, but it's somewhere we got to go while we lived overseas. And it's amazingly beautiful islands in the middle of the Indian Ocean that uh, unfortunately may not be around for much longer if we keep getting more global warming. Yeah, that's no, yeah, that's no good. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for another podcast. Uh, you say that your, your mom uh, made you curious. So what are you curious about right now? Oh, I am constantly exploring uh, multiple topics. I'm very much into technology, cars, aviation, aerospace, um, very much about what's going on in the world today. So I try to pay attention to world politics and um, you know, worldwide events. So I'm trying to stay up to date on just the latest in developments. I mean, there's always new things coming out that are surprising. And uh, even if it's not related directly to my job or my life, I just, I find those things fascinating. So what were you like in high school in Edgerton? <laughs> uh, I did a little bit of everything from sports to drama, to singing, to art. Uh, I was outgoing, but not outgoing at the same time. Um, I was just always on the run. I think I left the house at seven in the morning and usually didn't get home till 11 o'clock at night. What sports? Uh, tennis was my main sport. Tennis. You still play? Not as much as I used to. I had to have shoulder surgery, so I was a little nervous to get back into it, but I, I play volleyball now. What road rotator? Well, that can't be any better on your shoulders. I wouldn't imagine. It, it's not, but Hey, R rotator cuff. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was, what was the, yeah, yeah it was a uh, loosened, uh, loosened rotator cuff. So my shoulder kept popping out of the socket. So that tightened things back up. What's your go-to order at your favorite restaurant? <laughs> uh, in and out and it's a double with no cheese. In and out. I love in and out. <laughs> so good. 
Uh, double with no cheese and no onions. Nice. So you, you answered that pretty quickly. What is the last gift you gave somebody? Oh. This is how we get to know you. What is the last <laughs> gift I gave somebody? I know, right? Um, I'm not big on physical gifts. I do more like uh, experiences. So uh, my last major gift was a trip for my husband and I to go to Greece a couple of weeks ago. And we spent three days in Athens and seven days in Mykonos. Greece. So you're back in the uh, Europe again. You're, you're a fan of Europe. Yes. And Greece was one place I wanted to go. So we got to do that. I've not been there. I need to go. That's, that's on the list. What's the last thing you watched on TV? Uh, we are watching Stranger Things right now. Hey, I am watching that with my, my daughters as well. I'm on, I'm on six, I think. So I think there's only eight episodes. So Yes, I'm disappointed there's only eight episodes, but it's a really good season. I know. I, I agree. It keeps you in sus- suspense. That's one thing that I can watch with my kids, right? That we both have an, an interest in. And in fact, they, you know, I get home, I'm usually still working and they keep pinging me and they say, well, when I say kids, they're, they're 21, 20, <laughs> 18, but the 18 year old's like, Hey, are we ready to watch yet? <laughs> so, uh, I'm with you there. All right. So, um, two more questions. How do you learn? I mean, where do you, where do you use that curiosity? Where, where do you, you know, what do you read? Where do you get your information? Any favorite book you might have? Yeah, I'm very much a visual learner. I like to read. I don't do a lot of like videos or podcasts personally. Um, so there's a couple of websites that I go out to. I have a couple of RSS feeds I subscribe to. So things like Gizmodo for tech, um, Autoblog for automotive, and then I have various like industry websites that I look at for work. Uh, and I have a search going in our own IBM, uh, what we call Blue Mine for research that comes out on topics related to my job. Uh, and then CNN is my main news source uh, and BBC if I'm, if I'm overseas. So what's next for you? Good question. Uh, I'm very happy where I'm at. I have an amazing team. We have a great business, um, a lot of support in, in this data and AI area. So I'm happy here for now, but eventually I would love to run, you know, an entire marketing department, um, either within IBM for a business unit or at a smaller company. Um, but I do enjoy um, working across marketing disciplines and really leading the strategy around how does marketing help make a business successful. Nice. Good answer. So that's all I have. But let me ask you this. Is there anything that I missed, anything you wish I would have asked that uh, would make this uh, podcast interview complete? Or did we get it all? Uh, This was great for me. Um, I think maybe a topic for another uh, conversation, especially since you come from development, is how we are using Agile in marketing. Oh, that is a good topic. Can you give me like 30 seconds? Yeah, I mean, basically, we're adopting the philosophy of Agile, but, but making it work for marketers and using that to help us be more responsive, to react more quickly, and to really foster those agile behaviors and practices like transparency and mutual respect. And um, it's having tremendous success with our teams and, and actually all of IBM marketing is being driven to adopt these agile practices and use that to drive transformation. Does that mean when you say agile practices, I mean, you have scrums, scrum of scrums, you have uh, you're working, um, you know, like I don't want to call them features, but different elements of marketing and then putting some stuff in grooming. I mean, kind of the whole process. 
Yeah, we're, we have two week iterations. We do daily standups. We have our planning, our showcase and our retros. We put things into stories and then uh, those into bigger epics and we burn those down. We have a backlog of work that we prioritize. And then the biggest thing is actually how do we quickly reprioritize work when things come up that, that we didn't necessarily plan for. And so, yes, we're trying to adopt all of those behaviors and, and really use that to help us uh, be better marketers. You know what? Um, that's awesome. I mean, that is a great piece of, of information. I'm glad you offered that because I also, even though, yeah, I'm in development and we do drive agile principles, but I use those same principles for, you know, it's unrelated to development, to meetings that I have, et cetera. I mean, the, the stand-ups, uh, I try to try to hold meetings where I, I hold a stand-up, you give me a retrospective, uh, you, you tell me what's up next and where you need help. And try not to get into solution mode within that meeting. It's amazing what you can get out and what you can. Uh, I mean, it helps the team be transparent. You can you can uh, address the issues more quickly, I think, and then uh, solution them elsewhere. Anyway, this has been great. Thank you, Jason, for 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 taking the time. Uh, you're doing great work in HDM. Uh, I need your help. <laughs> you can come over and help me anytime. I appreciate all you're doing. You're doing good work. So thank you for taking the time today to, to join us. I know the listeners will be uh, grateful that you were here. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for having me. All right. For the listeners, talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcast to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, over and out. Oh,